what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, my man, tonight is episode 26, titled Hurdles, Heels, and Chicken Minis. Uh, Tonight, we're going to bring on STC track star Kennedy Smith. But before she joins us, Jim, it's been a productive, awesome Fun field, packed weekend for me. But before I tell you about my weekend, how was yours? Man, like you don't know, it was all about the L's. It was about going to Louisiana with my family. But after that, it was about football loss, soccer loss, another football loss, my basketball bet with you, a loss. So as far as sports, all losses. But family, Louisiana, Good eating. I'll take that. Still come out with a W on the back end. Well, you know, I'm a glass half full guy, and I'll tell you this. Anytime the family aspect wins, you're winning, bro. So sports, there's our, there's always another day for a W. So um, we'll look forward to next week, and I'm sure later on tonight we'll get into next week. But for me, you know, I got a chance to go to Disney, and if you have kids, anytime you go to Disney, it's it's hard not to be happy at that place. So, Saturday was a fun day. Went to Epcot, rode the Frozen ride, just had a blast, and then, you know, came home and watched the Lightning lose in overtime. But they're currently up one to nothing right now, so hopefully that'll hold true, and the Lightning will be bringing home the Stanley Cup championship. So. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll talk later on. We'll get some updates in the NHL. But, man, let's jump to the biggest interview and podcast this week. We're going to bring on to the show Miss Kennedy Smith, the Texas A&M track star. Kennedy, thank you for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Good, good. You know, before we get started, nobody can see this, but I'm going to tell you what. Your setup is immaculate you have the best background and i know that you shouldn't talk visually on uh, audio podcast but if any if everyone could see this like as far as like academically you look like you are on point because your setup your your living situation is is phenomenal so well i have to give a shout out to my roommate because she's actually on the team with me her name's amber ivy she's like an amazing sprinter but all of this stuff is hers so i can't take credit for any of it um, she's got very nice style, so it's very convenient for me. Well, shout out to her because she's it's feng shui to the T. Like it, it looks like like a great place to live. So warm, homey. So you know, speaking of homey, like talk to us. Let's go back to the beginning. Where where are you from? So I'm from the Woodlands, Texas. I was born there, never left. So for us, geographically geographically challenged folks where is woodland the woodlands is just about an i think i'd say my part of the woodlands is an hour north of houston and then it's an hour and four minutes away from college station nice so what what was it like growing up there it's not a big city but it's in between some big cities so yeah so the woodlands uh i feel like everybody knows it as the bubble because (laughs) everything's just perfect there nobody has any real world problems, I guess. I don't know. It's a challenging place to grow up in for sure, just to be surrounded by all that. But there's also a bunch of good athletes because of it, because everybody had personal trainers growing up. And 
I don't know. I think it's very interesting to see people who come around from all different cities around Houston just to run at our school and compete at our school. So what, what was your family dynamic like? You got, you know, before we started, you talked about having a sister. So you got mom, dad, sister. What's that d- dynamic like growing up? So we have a pretty athletic family. Um, my mom played softball. My dad ran hurdles and was football captain at Sam Houston. So sports was just kind of a given, I guess. But it wasn't really super sporty for me when I started. I was a cheerleader when I was four years old and I did that up until sophomore year of high school. And my sister was a cheerleader too. So track was always like my second best thing. I never really focused all my energy on it. And it wasn't until I think sophomore year I was in class, my English class, and we were all going around the room and talking about college and my English teacher happened to be my track coach, my assistant coach. And I mentioned something in class like, oh yeah, I don't know really about college if I even want to go. Like if someone offered me a walk-on position, that'd be awesome. And my teacher was like, Kennedy, like you're good. You could get a scholarship if you tried. And I'd never thought about it until just then. And so I don't know. I feel like that was the first time I took track seriously. And so I quit cheer that year after sophomore year and was 100% track after that. So let me get this right. You're at an SEC school. You're what I would consider an elite athlete. And you didn't decide to run track until you're in high school? I ran in junior high. Okay. And I loved it, but I never won anything. And like me, my dad took it really seriously because I'm the type of person, whatever I do, I put 100% of my effort into it. And so, yeah, I would run as hard as I could and do the best I could in junior high. But there was always this girl, Catherine Selig, and she would beat me every single time. And I was really short. And yeah, I wasn't all that great until I'd say high school. Well, they, they say the best athletes are those that are pushed hard, you know, in the beginning. So it sounds like Catherine, like really, you know, despite you not beating her, it sounds like she pushed you and motivated you a little bit. So, I mean, she had to have at least, you know, a little bit of influence on you, you being where, where you are today. But take me back to cheerleading. So let, let's, let's start there. What was it about cheerleading where you were like, man, I just love cheering? My sister joined cheer. It was competitive cheer. So it was actually really a sport. And I know some people don't consider cheer to be a sport, but this stuff was hard. And I joined that when I was four. And it was just so much fun. I'm such like an outgoing, charismatic person. I love all the makeup and like the crazy outfits and stuff. So being on stage and performing was super fun for me. And back then I was like a little lima bean. I could do all these flips and it didn't matter for my body at all. So I just love being on stage and stuff. I'm glad she answered it, Daniel, because you know that was my next question. We've had the debate on here about whether cheerleading is a sport. Daniel, you you care to tell her what's going to be the defining moment for you? Not really. (laughs) I think it really just depends on, I don't know, what team you're on. Competitive cheer, if you're going at, like, a high level, that's, like, incredible stuff, and it's super hard to do. But, I mean, I was in school cheer. I know that it was – kind of a joke sometimes we would walk around the track for exercise 
So. No, ours were very competitive. They won national championships yeah. all the time. They practiced more than we did in football, so I really couldn't hate too much. Yeah, my, my measuring stick is my daughter. If my daughter does it, then it's absolutely 100% a sport. Yeah. No, no questions, no nothing. So um, my wife has a background in dancing, so I, I'm sure cheerleading and dance or something is is soon to follow. But right now we're, we're headfirst in the gymnastics, so hopefully that'll be the route that we go. But either way, I just want her to be involved with something. And, you know... Growing up, you know, it, it's it's hard for me to picture what track looks like like as a junior high kid. Was this like a middle school thing? Was this like a outside like league or like you know group of people that had like a like a I don't know a recreational like league? I hate to say recreational. Yeah. Kind of so there was this group. I actually okay. I said I started in seventh grade, but I did some fun little tiny track things during the summer times when starting in fourth grade. And it was a group called Team Green Running. It's the old head coach of the track team, Dan Green from the Woodlands. And so he did this every summer and like all ages can just go out and run. And it's for just like two weeks. And so I would do that every summer. And my dad and I would just kind of have fun with it and not take it seriously at all. But then seventh grade is when I started actually competing with my junior high. And there was only three meets a year, I think. And my eighth grade year, I actually got a concussion from like hitting my head on a weight. It was really funny, but I only ran in one meet my eighth grade year and it was districts. So junior high was like a blink of an eye. So wait, let's go back to this. So you got a concussion from hitting your head on a weight? How, how does that I've, happen? I've had three concussions Holy and these are my smokes. only three injuries I've ever had. Like let me knock on wood, but like my body is actually very, I don't know, durable, I guess. So I've got my first concussion in cheer just by tripping and falling, hitting my head on concrete at practice. And then I got another one in eighth grade and it was during cheer again, nothing related to cheer though. We were walking around the track cause we had nothing else to do that day. And I was lazy. And so I went to go lay down on the high jump pit and to weigh down the tarp that went above it, there was like a 45 pound weight and it was hidden underneath the tarp and I didn't see it. And so I just laid straight back on it and hit my head and blacked out. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I, I would, I would picture like the cheerleading one, you're flying through the air and like, yeah, you would think they'd be like really cool stories involving track and cheer and stuff. And it was just me being stupid. So. She should have swung it that way. I mean, she could have told the most amazing story. We wouldn't have known the difference. Oh, I've definitely fallen over like dozens of hurdles. I'm just so used to like in cheer, falling, rolling, and getting right back up that I never had any injuries from falling. Like I would fall all the time in high school. We we talk about this and we joke all the time. Like we feel like out of all the like athletic things that people could do hurdling is probably one of the single-handed hardest things to do like with coordination speed balance and all that that goes into it like i would i would mess myself up there's there's no no possible way that i would be very successful at all in hurdles yeah i think hurdles is so different from like running and i find it funny because i feel like i'm so awkward when i sprint 
Like I'm not a God-given sprinter, but when I hurdle, it's like a whole different story because it genuinely is so different. In, even in between the hurdles, you're not really running. We call it shuffling because when you get to like an elite level and you are naturally three-stepping, the hurdles can get so close together that you don't have room to run or you'll just run right into them. And so really it helps that I have good rhythm. I've always like been a good person to like keep things on beat. I was in choir and hurdling is all about rhythm. And as long as you can keep that beat steady, then you're fine. I feel like you can hurdle with your eyes closed as long as you've got the beat well enough. Yeah. I was going to say, it seems like that's that right there is where the cheerleading came in handy as far as the rhythm and timing of the hurdles and the jumps and just, um, Cause you're constantly, I feel like in cheerleading, you're constantly counting. Like, I don't know if that's the same thing that you do as you're running in between hurdles, or if it's just become so ingrained that you just naturally do it at this point. Yeah. I think cheer helped me out a lot. And it also harmed me a lot because I'm very flexible and that helps. And I think that helped a lot to start out because the hurdles were so much taller than me. I was so short for so long. Um, but then again, I think cheer also harmed me because we have jumps and one of the jumps is called a hurdler and it is nothing like what actual hurdles should be. And you're supposed to lock out your front leg and point your toes. And so that's what I would do when I started hurdling. And now I know that that's so incorrect, but now I've got like bad habits. So how, how tall are the, the hurdles? 33 inches. So it comes just about like my hip. Jeez. And then men's are 42, which whatever. That's so ridiculously high. I could never. Well, and so how, how many hurdles do you have per, per race? Like 10 hurdles. And it's the same for men, but they just kind of space it out more. And so there's 110 meters. Ours is hundred. Gotcha. Man, that is unbelievable. Like that's blowing my mind that I, I can't even do that once, much less think about it 10 times. Jeez. Bro. Yeah, she downplayed it, like, you know, because the women's was lower. But, I mean, to continuously jump 33, yeah, I'm in a, and I'm tired thinking about it. That was the thing that Cameron Crump, the Mississippi State track star we had come on here say. He said, you know, he's a long jumper. He said, I like just jumping once. He said, I'm not trying to try to jump over and over again. And he said the same thing. He's just tired thinking about it. It's interesting, though, because – Everyone does say jump hurdles, but when you're actually a hurdle, you call it running hurdles because you don't jump at all, actually. And I'm not trying to correct y'all, but. Um, no, please do, because I, <laughs> I don't know jack about, about like any of this. So like, <laughs> this is like knowledge that I need to know so that, you know, we're going to have athletes on and I can't look like an idiot. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I call it the jumping hurdles and that's kind of the perspective that I came at it with for a very long time. But once you do get at a higher level and you really understand how it all technically works, if you watch a hurdler like in the Olympics and just watch them from straight on or from the side, their upper body barely moves and their hips stay totally level the entire time. And so you're running full speed. And as you're going, you're just lifting your legs out of the way of a barrier in front of you. And so you can watch a video of Grant Holloway. And I mean, yeah, it's edited to where like his head is perfectly in frame, but it's pretty accurate. His whole body and his head don't move the entire race. 
it's just his legs getting out of the way. And so you really aren't jumping at all. It's almost like you're, you're gliding through air. It's, that's yeah. sick. That's, that's pretty awesome. So, so what was the influence? So you just, even to get into, to cheerleading and then moving into track, well, who influenced you? you? You said your dad was an athlete, but you come from an athletic family. So who else? So it mainly was my dad's influence. And he, one day, he was a head coach and athletic director at Klein Oak High School. And one day he brought home a hurdle from his school and put it in our backyard. And it's still there to this day. He never brought it back. <laughs> but he brought it home for my sister because she was going into seventh grade and wanted to try hurdles. And I was probably seven years old. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. And so I would go back there and just like throw my body as high as I could. And I like could never make it over. But that's kind of how hurdles got started for me. And it was because he did it. And he started doing it really because his own dad did it. And yeah, so we're kind of just a hurdle family. My grandpa actually, I tried to look this up before this interview and I could not get any solid information. So don't take my word for fact but I'm pretty sure my grandpa still holds the 200 meter state hurdle record because he got the record in like the fifties and then they stopped being a thing. Now it's three inch hurdles. So I think he still has it, but I don't know. So I come from a hurdle background. Well, we'll, we'll let him have it. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not going to take it away from him. So who is the best athlete in your family? Is it grandpa? Is it dad? Is it you? Is it, Austin is it mom who, who is it well sadly I've never had this debate with my grandpa he actually died right before my first track season in seventh grade which was really unfortunate I wish he could have seen it but me and my immediate family have this conversation a lot I would like to fight and say that I am because I'm at an SEC school you know you feel like that would give me enough street cred and my mom only played through 10th grade in softball, but she's so freakishly athletic in everything. Like she's amazing at golf. She can throw a ball, catch a ball, like almost better than any of us in the family. And I'm pretty limited to hurdles. So she would say that she is. She's but. the type of person that pisses everybody off that can just go out there without even trying something and be good at it like oh yeah she will go golfing with all of her male co-workers and just out drive everyone i need i need some of those skills <laughs> like i got two or three things that i'm really good at and it's not hurdles and it is not golf so so, but have you, you ever know, gone over a hurdle? Because I feel like everybody I meet says, oh, yeah, I tried hurdles one time in seventh grade, and I was horrible at it. Um, you, you, well, you corrected me on running hurdles, and all I did was <laughs> jump the hurdles. So, But you Daniel, tried it. Yeah, Daniel, I think I you did probably try did it. The, Daniel, I think you probably did the same thing as me. The, when the hurdles were left out on the track and we were out there after practice, I'd go run and jump them, and that was it. Yeah, and I, I know, like, when I would do that, like, I knew there was, like, a technique and a skill to being able to run them correctly, but I never in my mind thought I could actually do that, so <laughs> I, I'm blown away, like, my... I it's all fun games until you go over one and trip and fall, and it hurts ridiculously. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that 
the track might be rubberized, but it doesn't feel good falling on it. No. And it probably doesn't feel good clipping your shin or clipping your foot on the hurdle itself either. So I will say at this point in my life, I go, I think my body's used to hitting hurdles at this point, but I feel like I go so fast. I don't hit notice when I hit my knee or my shin or my foot anymore. I'll go home and see bruises on my legs and be like, where'd that come from? I don't, <laughs> the adrenaline just kind of like overtakes you and you don't notice. But yeah. I, I am uh, notorious for all throughout junior high and high school falling on hurdles all the time. And like, thank God I haven't fallen in college, but I used to have such a bad habit. Every year at districts, I would fall no matter what. And I could never qualify on past that because no matter what happened, I was always falling. When, when you look at your times at the end of, a, of an event, do you go, oh, I must have like clipped a hurdle or I must have hit something? Can you tell from your, your time? Like, or is it something like you have to go back on film and go, oh, yeah, I, I should have done better here or I could have done this differently? So I think it depends on which hurdle race. 60 meter hurdles, it is so fast. It is an eight second race. And I essentially black out in those races and I don't even know what happened. So when I finish the race and I look up and it's a good time, yay. If not, I have to go watch the footage. Um, when it comes to 100 meter hurdles, it's double the amount of hurdles. So I feel like I get more of a sense of how I went through the race, but my dad will be like, oh, hey, what happened on hurdle five? You hit it. And I'll be like, no, I didn't. And it just doesn't even phase me. Like sometimes hitting a hurdle isn't what made me slow. It just happened to be something that happened, you know? Gotcha. So hitting a hurdle doesn't necessarily make or break uh, a race, but it could make or break a time, for instance. Yeah. So we, I mean... I, I'm going to refer to Grant Hallway because he's just one of the greatest from college recently, but he is the head person that never hits a hurdle. But every other boy hurdler hits at least one hurdle in every single race. It's just inevitable. And that really doesn't even matter. It's did hitting that hurdle mess up your rhythm and slow you down? Because hurdling is all about rhythm. So if you've got hard knees and you're not going to feel it, then by all means, plow through it, and it's not going to penalize you. Gotcha. So let's go back to high school now. So you you finally you go, all right, you go to the cheerleading coach, and you say, hey, like, I'm out. Peace out. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm going to go run track. What is that conversation like? Or did you try to do both? Um, so I did both for my freshman and sophomore year, and I was actually cheer captain freshman year. But I didn't really even have to say anything. Uh, I just didn't go to tryouts the next year. And I think everyone knew because during it – was, it was just really hard. During fall, I would be in cheer, and I wouldn't do track practice a single day. And then track season's in spring, and I would show up right after Christmas break, fat and slow, and all these girls would be months ahead of me, and I would have to try and play the catch-up game. So I was never really – up to my full potential so then everyone just kind of figured that's why I quit yeah that's that's tough I mean down down in Florida you get that a lot because you can play all, all every sport all year long and that's you know you don't see a lot of dual sports because 
people fall behind trying to play other sports not mm -hmm. that the other sports don't help the skills of of the other sports that they do but it's just it just holds them back and keeps them behind you know maybe the learning curve or just the talent level that's already out there so i i get that i mean and it's you almost have to if your push is to be where you're at now you almost have to like individualize in that one, one sport and get really good at it. So Yeah, and especially when it comes to women's hurdles, 6A in Texas, that was ridiculous. And I feel like hurdles maybe 10 or 20 years ago was always an event that like was super hard and not a lot of people tried to do it because I don't really know why, but nobody was really – fantastic at it for a while and so everybody started to try and do it and so when I was in high school and it's kind of the same thing now that I'm in college it's everyone's freaking amazing at it and the yeah. competition is steeper than it's ever been I mean the last Olympics four years ago the American girls went one two and three we've just got amazing hurdlers right now and so if you're not 100% dedicated then yeah you're gonna get left behind yeah and I don't uh you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, maybe it's just lack of knowledge, but I don't know of any like sprinter that does hurdles too. Like you almost get, you, you either sprint or you do hurdles and you're good at either one of those, not both, I guess. Yeah. I'd say that it's, it's just so different. Like I said in the beginning, I'm not a good sprinter. I mean, I can beat like your average drip average joe in a street race but i'm when i'm on the track like i'm not i'm just i'm not the fastest i'm not the fastest on my team when it comes to just straight sprinting because sprinting is very different than hurdling and we get so used to this shuffle running in the middle of the hurdles that i mean it takes like a very talented person like grant holloway to be able to be successful in both all right so when you were in high school what if was hurdling was running hurdles the only thing that you did or were there other events that you ran so um yeah that was really it I never did any field events per se I went to long term practice for five minutes one day and I was like this is wasting my time people are hurdling over there I need to go um but I was also a sprinter I mean I feel like when you're in high school you do a bit of everything so I ran the four by one four by two four by four reluctantly the four by four i was not good at it <laughs> kicking and screaming he ran the yeah. four by four yeah i'm not big on endurance i've got a bit of asthma and it's just not my thing so when my coach made me do that senior year it was no fun and that was right after 300 hurdles and so i would do those back to back and be throwing up as the person was bringing me the baton and then go and the coach was like, oh, that seems like a good idea. Oh, my coach, Coach Hanson, I love him, but he did not care about my health in that moment. He wanted that gold. Hey, sometimes that's what it takes. I mean, if you, you said that the Woodlands is a big school, um, you know, like you, I'm sure the competition was steep. So the expectation, I can just imagine um, what it's like in Texas alone at that level of, of high school like it's it's about winning so yeah i'm sure there was a lot of pressure on him to put the best that he could into everything so 
I get it. Um, so when, when was it in high school that you realized like I had this gift, like I have something like I might could do this at the next level. So I didn't think about going next level until, like I said, my English teacher slash track coach mentioned it. But when I realized that I actually like had something there, like, I guess it was my freshman year. I ran my first JV race because I just came from cheer. Nobody knew who I was. So they threw me in the first JV race and <sighs> 300 hurdles was embarrassing because it was, I think, 27 degrees. I was a wimp and I was like, I'm not taking my sweats off and running in these tiny little shorts in 27 degrees. No. And so I kept on my sweatpants and my sweatshirt and I went and I jogged those 300 hurdles and ran. It's so embarrassing. I think I ran like a 61, which to give you perspective at the end of high school, I ran a 43. So horribly embarrassing. (laughs) But then in the hundred hurdles, I won. And I was running faster than the girls on varsity. And so after that, he put me on varsity and I was the only freshman on varsity the whole year. And I was like, oh, well, okay, I guess I'm a little bit above the average. How, how pissed were those girls when you were like, I'm not taking off my warmups. I'm not doing that. Oh my gosh. No, everyone was like, oh, I'll keep mine on too then. And my dad afterwards was like, are you freaking kidding me? He got so mad at me because my dad took this so seriously. He was my, basically my track coach in high school. Like after practice would end, my dad would come from his school, show up and run hurdles with me. That's what we're, we're coming to find out that we're, we're talking to a lot of high caliber athletes and they all have really this one thing in common. And that's that there's one person in their life that it might be another coach. It might be an aunt or uncle or mom dad and in some cases like it's mom and they're like hardcore on their ass about like doing things right and working hard and like breaking down the games or breaking down the meat and like really getting into them basically you know to to be better so I I can kind of picture your dad as that kind of guy just like you know, tough love, but, you know, coming from the right place and just wanting yeah. to be the best that you can be. So that's. So my dad, it was very fun dynamic because it started off like a fun thing that we shared hurdles. And then I started getting good and it was like, oh, this is something we're going to focus on. And so my dad would be like pushing, pushing, pushing. And in a good way, I wanted it. And then my mom would be the one that's like, hey, she's a girl. She's not one of your football players. We can push, but we're not going to push too hard. And so it was just funny because, I mean, I love my dad and I would never have changed anything. He was the greatest coach and I wouldn't be where I am without him, but it was very challenging at some points to be like, Hey, you're my dad first and coach second. Yeah. I I think, I think that's tough though. I mean, you want, you know, just to put his shoes on for a minute, I guess you want to be the best dad. And sometimes you feel like being the best dad is pushing your, your kid to be exceptional at what you know they're good at, even though sometimes that might be detrimental to how they're feeling in the moment. So yeah, the one line me and my dad never crossed. And I set this up like way in the beginning when it came to weight, like, 
as a football coach, he would always be like, Hey kid, what are you weighing? Like, what are you a buck 90 now? And things are different with girls. You don't talk about weight. That's just not a thing you do. And it didn't really like matter to me when I was younger, but then, I mean, I hit a growth spurt like really late, like going into senior year of high school and things like that started to like matter, I guess. And I was like, dad, don't ask the weight. It's not going to happen. Like at that point I started to actually worry about what I ate and stuff. And I kind of became responsible for myself and he's never really asked me about it since. So, so being, you know, I'm curious and like, yeah, I guess it's sports specific and sometimes it's person specific, but do you feel like what you eat matters to your performance? Yeah. I think it is definitely very, very, very person specific though. So my roommate, which I'm sure she can hear me through this door right now, but she has just got the best metabolism I've ever seen in my entire life. She can eat McDonald's for every meal and she's got the lowest body fat percentage I've ever heard, but I'm not as fortunate. So after I kind of went through puberty, that stuff started to matter. So yeah, during track season, I go gluten-free. It just kind of helps me with like bloating. I feel lighter and I feel like the better you feel, the better you're going to run. And I meal prep on Sundays for the entire week. I, I love carbs. I'm a woman. I freaking love carbs, but I'm a sprinter. I don't need a lot of them. So I try and limit myself a bit, but it definitely matters. Everything you put in your body. So you go through high school, you realize you got this, you, you, you do, you know, you get to your senior year. How does, you know, what, what is the, college selection process like is there like a huge list of schools there is A&M just the one that you wanted and that's what you went for like how do you end up at A&M so in Texas there was kind of a number that you had to hit to be considered like in the Texas elite and I think it was like 14.5 which looking back on it now it's not too terribly hard but uh, back then it was like a big deal. So I was within like the Texas elite and I feel like I was kind of known to be one of the top girls in Texas, but ironically, I never made it to state just because whether it be my district area region, I always had the most stacked group of girls and only two people went to state out of each region and I would always get third. So I feel like coming out of high school, I don't know. I knew my talent, but it wasn't like up there, up there. So when it came to schools, I was talking to, I was talking to Belmont, which is a school next to Vanderbilt. Um, I think it may have been, I think it was D1, but when I visited there, beautiful school, but I felt like track was kind of a hobby for the students. It wasn't really the like main focus. And then I visited Columbia in New York and I love that school because I love New York but that was a D3 and I think uh, I think it was a D3 and that again I I already was faster than their school record as a junior and so once again I was like oh like I don't know how much this would push me and I don't know how serious I'm going to be taking this in college is this track my number one priority and so then my last visit was A&M and it was two days before the first, um, I guess, signing period started, 
And so I had like two days after A&M to decide. And I came to A&M and before the visit began, an academic instructor handed me a folder with like the A&M logo on it. And I just like started crying. I was like, oh my God, this is so special. And then I went to the football game and there's 109,000 people. And I'm like, this is like a big stage. And it's just so different from the other schools. And I knew I was going to be a little fish in a big pond, but I'm the type of person that feels like you grow to the environment you surround yourself with. So I chose a and I feel like it was the best decision because I feel like I've definitely grown to my environment. So did any of it have to do with being close to home as well? Cause you know, you mentioned New York and, and did part of that scare you being that far and maybe you wanted to stay kind of closer. Did that not have anything to do with it? Um, honestly, A&M scared me cause it was too close, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. No, I think I'm very, very, very happy that I'm so close to home. I can go home on the weekends, but it was never really something that was going to be my deciding factor. You know, if I was in New York, oh my gosh, my mom would have flown up every weekend. She loves New York. So that wouldn't have really been an issue. But I'm definitely grateful that I'm so close to everything. I got you. All right. Well, before I ask you about Texas A&M, I do have a Woodlands question. I saw a picture where you were holding up numerous medals. Were those all yours? Uh, yes. So <laughs> if you're thinking about the picture, I think you're thinking about, it was the one with my arms stretched out on my Instagram. Correct. Yeah. Those are all mine. That was from freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And freshman year, I had like one medal. So those are mainly just sophomore and junior. So it seems like for someone who said, you know, they had some success, finished third a lot, um, that didn't look like just a bunch of third place uh, medals there. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to like hype myself up too much, but like I would win some meets. It's hey, you just... gotta, you gotta hype yourself. <laughs> hey, the, the guys come on here and they talk about themselves so much. You, you've got to give yourself a little credit here. Yeah. Well, I'm a very confident person, but I don't like to come off too full of myself sometimes, you know, but yeah, I, I would win meets for sure. Um, and plus it helped that I was in always going to be in at least three events. So hundred hurdles, three hundred hurdles, and then whichever relay my coach felt like throwing me on. And the Woodlands is such a powerhouse that was almost guaranteed three medals every meet. So, yeah. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk about, you said street cred because you went to A&M. What is it like putting that Aggie jersey on? Ah, I love it. Number one, maroon is my color. So it feels great for sure. And like I said, just looking at the logo made me cry. I just think it's super special to just be able to say you're from Texas A&M. I just got my Aggie ring on Friday. And so, I don't know. I was never an Aggie growing up. It never meant anything to me. But now that I'm here, like, it means the most. I mean, being where we live, well, I don't know. I can't speak for Florida. But in North Mississippi, the, the West Tennessee area, Texas A&M is even a big deal here. So, I can understand what it would mean in Texas. Um, speaking of, you know, what it's like here and what it's like there, as far as y'all school, what are y'all doing? Are y'all online learning right now or are y'all actually in class? So right now it's kind of optional. Um, there is in-class option, but I'm, I'm not going. I'm just trying to be safe. So I do all my classes through Zoom. And, yeah, I'm in the house all day, and then I go to practice. All right, and what are you studying? I'm a communications major and a business minor. 
Very nice. And so, you know, you're doing online learning as far as how COVID has impacted everything else, um, you know, to your, to your daily uh, routine, how much has it really affected you overall? Um, I would say, thankfully, none of my immediate friends and family gotten it. So in that way, it hasn't impacted me, but I mean, it sucks to not leave your house except to go to practice. And then in practice, we have to wear a mask the entire time we're in the weight room and warming up. And we used to be where the sprinters, the 400 group, 800 group, we would all be practicing at the same time out there. And now things are spread out and I only see the sprinters. And it's just kind of isolating. It's sad, but I don't know. It helps that I live with one of my best friends. And so we kind of get to go through it all together. I got you. I understand. Yeah, the you were talking about wearing the mask. And my daughter is a high school uh, soccer player, a club soccer player, and they have to wear the mask. She also does cross country. And uh, she talks about, you know, especially it was just coming off being hot and even just warming up and stretching and practicing. She was just talking about how hard it was to breathe. Would you Would you feel like it was the same way? I mean, I can definitely breathe, but what sucks is that it gets so hot in there. I get sweaty and I'm a lipstick girl, so I'll be wearing lipstick under my masks, but it'll get sweaty and it just feels like you're outside on like the most humid Houston day and it sucks, but. All right. And so what does your typical training day look like right now? So right now we are basically just going through a bunch of like. I don't know, not super specialized stuff. We're going to start doing that this week, but it's been a lot of endurance and strength. So we've been getting really heavy in the weight room. We'll go weight room every day first, and then we'll go out to the track. And sometimes we even go to the cross country course. Our coach has us running hills and uh, coach Han, he loves to just mentally and physically abuse us. And I can say it because he says those exact words. We've got Murder Monday, Terrible Tuesday, and then we're off just with Weight Room on Wednesday, and then Fatal Friday, and Sadistic Saturday. Wow. So it's a lot of just mm, great running that makes me anxious all day. He's going to make sure that you remember him forever. (laughs) And he's proud of it, too. He likes to take videos of us as we're – on the ground throwing up and he'll put together little montages and put it on his Instagram with oh. like some biblical music in the background <laughs> as if we all just met Jesus. I don't know if he's looking out for y'all's best interest or not with all this. It's, I don't know. It sounds a little intense. I can't question his methods though. Cause he's been here for a year and a half. He came from FSU and he produced some of the best hurdlers. So he knows what he's doing and I trust it. It's just, it is not fun process. All right, and so we talk about your training. What events are you slated for this year? Um, is it the same same hurdling events we've been discussing? 60 hurdles, 100 hurdles, and interestingly, I've never done a 400 hurdle, but I was going to try it this outdoor season, and then corona happened, so I never got to. And I don't know if I'm going to try it. I feel like we don't really have – Actually, no, we have transfer 400 hurdlers now, but last year we didn't have any more 400 hurdlers left. So it was like, no harm, no foul. Might as well throw her in a home meet and try it. I was good at three inch hurdles in high school. I just, it wasn't my specialty and I'm not the most amazing at running 400s. It's, 
Yeah. I don't know, but you, it, you seem to 50, have, pro- 50. you've seemed to have progressed throughout as we've talked, you know, from middle school to high school to college. And the more you've uh, expanded, I don't know, the better you got. Maybe that's, I don't know, the next feat for you to climb. I think 400 hurdles would be much easier than a 400 just because there's something to focus on every 16 steps. But I ran one 400 here at AM and it was my freshman year, like practice meet in December at the four by four. And I ran slower than every cross country girl. Like it was not my thing. So I think that's why it's taken me so long to get the courage to try these 400 hurdles. So we'll see if I do it this year or not. Gotcha. All right. So, you know, we're, we're new to all this. We're, we're learning and we don't know who's, who's going to be good. Who's not as far as the teams, do they have like team projections for, for y'all and where they expect y'all to be? So as far as I know, there's no projections out yet, but I can probably throw some at you right now and be pretty spot on. There's kind of the top people that are always in it. Um, at least for women, I don't know about men, but for women, um, A&M is always in the top. Arkansas is always in the top because they've got a lot of good cross-country girls that boost them up for sure, and they're just a good team. Um, USC, uh, UT, but A&M is definitely up there for sure. I mean, that's another reason I chose the school. We've got more national titles than anybody in the country. And how, many did, how many do you have? If I'm correct, I want to say 11. Ooh. Okay. I yeah. I mean, correct. to for me, that's a that's definitely a selling point when you were looking at that as an option. Yeah, the the national titles uh, definitely want to go to a winner for sure. Um, what about individual projection? What where do you see yourself? You taking it all? Come on, be be honest. Oh, okay. I like to set goals for myself. Um, sadly, I didn't get to run last year, so it's gonna be like two full years off of hundred hurdles. So I'm very interested to see how my body will have improved. But I've made SEC finals before. I definitely want to do that again. This year, I definitely want to go to nationals. It takes – for indoor, you have to be in the top 16 in the country. There's no qualifying runs. It's just flat out your time based off that season. So that's my goal for indoor. I'm going to make it to nationals. Um I don't know, rankings-wise, though. I mean, I try not to pay attention to the competition mainly. I mean, I'll look up the people in my race when it comes that weekend, but I really focus on myself mainly. So I set individual goals on times and stuff. And Well, what's interesting about you saying you don't really focus on your competition is, you know, I'll watch some of the video clips of you that I could find, and I was looking at the pictures, and the thing about hurdling is, you know, y'all aren't looking at each other because you're so focused ahead. And so it kind of fits with what you're saying because you're not worried about that person beside you. You're looking straight ahead and focused on what you're doing. So it kind of fits with your routine together altogether, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I tend to focus on who I'm running against when I get into the check-in room. So you see everyone around you and you're like, Oh, that person's intimidating. I can take that girl. She might be a little bit of trouble. I hope she's not in my heat. You know, and so that's kind of where my crazy makeup looks came from. So if you know me in track, you'll know that I am known to be crazy makeup girl. And every week I have a different theme. I do glitter lips, uh, crazy hair. It gets extreme and it's a little sport for me. I think it's very intimidating 
It it is because one of the pictures I saw specifically though, uh, you looked so intense, but it was intimidating. And I think I don't know where you were as far as overall in the race, but I know that the people on each side of you were behind you, so it was working for you for sure. With that, you know, with your peripheral vision, can you see them at all or is it just straight forward? I wouldn't say I can see them. It's like I can feel them. So like I said, hurdling is all about rhythm. And I feel like when you're racing, you can feel other people's rhythms. And so when I'm running, I can feel when someone didn't get to that first hurdle, right? And I can feel when someone next to me maybe hit a hurdle and stumbled. And so although I'm not focusing on them, I can feel it. And I can feel when I'm kind of progressing off of them. Gotcha. All right. So I got a fun question for you. And uh, I know this had to have come up at some point. If it hasn't, it, it will. It will. Is it intimidating to men that you're such a high-level athlete that you come across? <laughs> I don't think it's intimidating. I think men like it to a degree. I think <laughs> – so the number one pickup line that I get and – oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. And this gets said a lot, and it's funny and also annoying. <laughs> I bet I could beat you in a race let's set up a time, let's race. And I'm like, okay, number one, I don't sprint. Like you can probably beat me in a race. You're a man, you should be able to beat me. I'd be sad if you couldn't. Hold up, hold up, hold up, <laughs> hold up. What? I, I ain't beating nobody in a race. I'm, I would say I'm pretty fit, but I ain't, I ain't beating nobody But in I a feel race. like most of the people that throw these lines at me, they are around my age, so in their prime. And most of them are athletic. So, yeah, they should be able to race me. They should be able to beat me. But I'm always like, okay, put a hurdle in front of you, though. You want to beat me now? Like, I know you'll probably pull a hamstring trying to go over that hurdle. So, I don't think that the hurdling is – I don't think it's, like, a scare-off, though. No. I got you. All right. And so, while we're talking about how people react, um, you know – like, for instance, we have daughters, me and Daniel, and I have a 14-year-old daughter who's who's definitely influenced by athletes. We go to sporting events of all kind. Um, we did football and soccer this weekend um, down at LSU. Do you have younger track runners come up to you, or do you, you know, um, do you feel like you're a role model to a degree in any way? Um, I don't know. I I mean, I feel like as of recently, no one's like giving me that vibe, but there's been like a few times where I've had like younger girls hit me up and be like, Hey, like, can I have hurdle advice or in high school? I mean, there was like a little freshman when I was a senior that I would, I don't know. I felt like kind of look after and kept under my wing, but I don't know. It'd be cool to say I'm a role model, but I don't know if I'm that cool. Nah, you are. I think, I think any anytime you put on a jersey, you're a role model to a degree, um, because you never know who's out there watching. You never know. Just think of yourself as you were younger. Like even with cheering, like there had to be some type of influence or something you wanted to model, like your cheer after. Or even when you became, you know, a high school track athlete, I'm sure there was something or someone. I know. In this podcast alone, you've mentioned one person's name four or five different times. So I feel like that was a role model to an extent. And 
Who, Talk. Grant Holloway? Yes. He's so. just, I mean, I mean, I've met him like once and I don't know if I call him a role model. He's a man. So in my mind, different sport, but he's just so easy to talk about because I feel like everyone knows about him when it comes to hurdling. He was so successful. I got you. So we've talked about all the, the college stuff. Let's talk about what's after. Let's transition. What are you, what are you doing after college? Is it, is it going to be anything to do with athletics or do you, is going to have something to do with the, the degree we were talking about your pursuit? What are, what are you doing? Oh, I love talking about this. So when it comes to track, going pro is very different than any other sport. It really, almost anyone can go pro. You just sign up for a pro race and then you're in, but you're not going to make money off of it unless you're really talented and you've got sponsors. And going pro has just never been something that I really thought too deep into. So right now it's not in my plans, but I do want to run in at least one race just so I can say I went pro. Like, that's just something I feel like would be cool to say. But after college, so I feel like I've got a career kind of planned out in my mind. Um, my mom is a sports reporter and I got into it in high school. I was my high school sports reporter and I work for 12 fan productions here. So I'm on that pathway now. And so I think that would be really fun to do, but I also don't want to grow up too fast. Um, so I've got a lot of fun plans before it. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out a few. I want to travel a lot. Um, I want to go to LA and try out and be on the bachelor because I've watched that show my whole life. And I think it looks so freaking fun just to travel around for free and meet a bunch of people. It's not even about falling in love. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I also, so my mom was a judge for the Texans cheerleader tryouts one time when I was a little kid, like nine years old. And I went with her and I watched it all happen. And I can do that. Like I was in cheer long enough and I feel like I can do that. And that would be so much fun. So I also want to try out to be a pro cheerleader just because I feel like it'd be fun again because they travel a lot. They get to meet a bunch of interesting people. So those are just some examples of different things I want to do when I'm done. Just, I don't know. You've only got one life and you don't want to just jump into a desk job when you're 23, you know? Makes sense. Yeah, I would... I would highly recommend traveling. Mm-hmm. Get it, get it in. There's so much to see, so much to do. I know as a college athlete, you get to travel to an extent, but I mean, outside of the country, like I would recommend to that to anybody. Just go see what's out there, and I mean, who knows? You might fall in love with a place and never come back. Yeah, I've been saving like my whole life just so that when I do get out of college and I want to go, let's say live in LA or New York, I can go do that and not freak out and be broke on the side of the road. <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to turn our direction. We're going to play a little game, but first I got a bone to pick with you. Okay. All right. What? So, tell it's not really a bone. I just need some, I need some clarification. How do you not like dogs? Oh my gosh! Don't even get me started on this. No, I, I we, this I, I gotta so, know. Such a hard topic because everyone in the world loves dogs. Like everyone loves dogs, and so it is socially unacceptable for me not to like dogs, and no one gets it. 
but I've just never been a fan. My family never had one. I think they are annoying, gross, and needy, and you can't cuddle with them. So that started off my distaste for them. And then, I don't know, just ugh. So then going into college, it was summer coming into college, I was hanging out at a friend's house and his dog ended up attacking me. And that was traumatizing enough. I mean, I have scars all up and down my back from it. So now I really don't like dogs. And that is not going to change. I'm never getting one. And I'm sure people blame that on you by saying, oh, you gave off this negative energy. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was afraid of a (laughs) pit bull bulldog mix. Who wouldn't be? Daniel, I'm not going to lie. My wife tunes into this episode and she hears that. I don't know. She she might not be a fan because you know how she is about dogs. That's how everybody is. And so now when people bring dogs around me, I honestly feel obligated to act like I like it because people get uncomfortable when I don't think their dog's adorable. Like they bring up their little chihuahua and I'm like, Hey, you're cute. And I don't mean it, but if I don't act like it, then I'm the weird one in the room. Uh, I have to, I have to shoot you a picture of my dog when this is over my Husky. It's, uh, it's, I'm sorry, but like, as he's, cute he's as beautiful. It, it he's may beautiful. Be, it's not going to happen. I've seen uh, every dog in the world. Every person I meet tries to convince me that their dog is the one dog I'd like, and it's never happened. So is it just dogs or is it just animals in general aren't your thing? I'm not a huge animal person in general, but no, it's just dogs. I have cats. I got it. I got, I can, I can respect that. I just needed, needed an explanation. Cause I mean, you don't see it often. And when you do, you're like, all right, I gotta, I gotta ask. Daniel, if I'm not mistaken, it's the first thing listed on her, her bio, right? Like that, was that in not all set caps. up? Yeah, it's, it's in all caps. It's all like, caps. Please, I hate dogs. please ask, please ask me about this. Three exclamation points. <laughs> all right. So let's play a game. You ready? Before we yes. leave, I want to have some fun. I want people to get to know a little bit of a lighthearted side of you um, before we get out of here and, and cut you loose. So this game's called This or That. It's real simple. I give you two mm-hmm. options. You pick one or the other. Got it. Only rule, you can't say both and you can't say neither. Oh, got to pick I'm one. I'm very indecisive sometimes, though. Well, you, Okay. I'll try. All right. So pizza or burgers? Burgers. Indoor or outdoor running? <gasps> I'm going to be so controversial here. Everybody prefers outdoor. I prefer indoor just because I feel like no one else takes it that seriously and I feel like I can get an edge up because of it. Probably because you didn't want to take your, your warm-up off when it was cold outside so you don't have to deal with that indoor. I mean, in college, it's burning hot in outdoor season. So I guess that's True. not a problem. But yeah, indoor, I feel like no one else really considers it to be the main event. So I've made it my main event. There you go. So... You talked about cheering for an NFL team. Cow, Cowboys or Texans? Ooh, this is so controversial because my dad's from Dallas. He's super, super diehard Cowboys. But my mom was the sports reporter for the Texans. So if we're talking solely based on who I would want to cheer for, Dallas. That's just so much cooler. But yeah. when it comes to teams, I don't know. Hold on now. Like, okay, I'm going to say Dallas. There you go. Good answer. Good answer. Although they suck. But... Oh, that's his team. But yes. I love them. No, but I love them. Hey, it, 
you you they like the, struggles. you like the cowboys as much as you like dogs i i got it like no but you very, can't deny that cowboys struggle oh when uh-huh. when we when we let you off here we we'll talk sports and and you'll hear my distaste for cowboy season so far to be honest i don't watch enough pro football to have too much of an opinion anyway so well you're you're not too you're not you're not wrong like it's they've been pretty sucky so yeah all right so if you had to get rid of one would you get rid of chicken minis or the bachelor <gasps> ooh see one of them will always be there for me but another one could shape my future i'm going to go with chicken minis because I know how to make my own so I can make them myself and then watch The Bachelor. But are they as good? Yeah. So you go to H-E-B, you get the Parker House rolls and then get butter and honey and mix it together, put it on top, and then put chicken nuggets inside. Daniel, we've had, what, like 15 guests. I have not heard someone break down a this or that question like that. I mean, on chicken minis in The Bachelor. Not only am I learning about hurdles i'm learning about how to make I'm my a own chef. chicken minis i'm a chef over here i mean i don't doubt it look at the setup i mean like i i can only imagine what that kitchen looks like i bet it, i bet it's this is my point. kitchen like i said my roommate eats mcdonald's every meal so <laughs> all right so would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future past i think generations keep getting worse i would love to have been born in like the late 60s and then just lived in like the 70s and 80s. I feel like that'd be so cool. So would you rather have money or have friends? Friends. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the answer that we get. We've only had one person say money. Well, I mean, everyone thinks they want money, but like I genuinely don't know how hard it is to find like very genuine, real friends, friendship. Real friendship is like hard to come by. And so friends are worth more than anything. Absolutely. So if you were, if someone was going to ask you on a date, would you rather them to slide into the DMs or would you rather them face-to-face ask you? Face-to-face. Oh my gosh. I'm a traditional person. I mean, yeah, like a DM thing might work if it's long distance and I'm never going to meet you, but in person, if someone just sees me and is like, hey, I want to take you on a date. That's just like uncommon now. I love, I, oh, you're going to get me started on a lot of conversations. I think that a man should still court a woman. Like, I think very traditional values when it comes to dating and sliding into DMs and only Snapchatting and stuff. It gets very annoying. Oh, just wait. We're going to get to Snapchat here in a second. Ooh, okay. Um, so are you, would you rather, and this could be anybody, mom, dad, this could be friends. Would you rather text or call on the phone? Call. Texting, number one, takes up a lot of time. It's just like, I don't know. I'd rather call, get the whole conversation done. Um, yeah, call for sure. Me, me too. I would, I would rather call because 99 percent of the time if i'm trying to text like it's really you're not my my main focus i'm yeah, doing yeah. other things so. I, I will only text 
I will only text someone if I really like them. I'm not going to text. <laughs> this sounds bad. I love my family. I'm not going like, to sit there and like have a text conversation with my family or my friends. Like I'm going to call them. Yeah. He's not lying. I mean, out of all my friends, I think he's the only one that still calls on a regular basis and he's not, he's not a big texter. So he, he's I'll not leave a voicemail. I'm ancient. I will leave voicemails. You better call me back. Bye. I'll be like, Hey, I know you're not going to listen to this and you're going to hear it in a few months, but see you later. <laughs> to be honest now, like the iPhone translates the, the voice message to text and you can just read it. So you That's don't even shame. have to. I know, right? He, he's not lying again. I don't remember the last time I actually listened to one, Daniel. They're all right there. Yeah. I have to listen to mine because my dad's the only person that leaves me voicemails, and he's got such a thick country accent, it can't translate it. Yeah, I, I feel like voicemails are a dad thing. That's definitely a dad I thing. love them, though. I save them all. So if you had to choose one and get rid of the other, would it be Twitter or Snapchat? I would get rid of Snapchat easily because Twitter is funny. Snapchat is a very immature mode of communication. I, I hate that when someone approaches you in public now, instead of saying, can I have your number? They say, can I have your snap? That is ridiculous to me. I don't know. I don't want to snap you. I don't want to look at your face because I don't even know you. Yeah. So, Sorry. So, I'm very traditional. This stuff makes me mad. Oh, we, it, we did. Hey, you got to remember, we're, we're older, so we're, we're digging all I get it. I get it. But I, I do feel like you're, you're living in the wrong era. I, I really do. 100%. 100%. I am so, my mother's daughter. This is why I'm like this. <laughs> She's probably okay with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, you like what you like and you, you don't like what you don't. So, I mean, that's what makes you who you are. That's, that's something special. But if you had to pick one, would you rather have bad breath or bad hair? <gasps> bad hair. Bad hair. And because my biggest fear in life is having bad breath. And here's my thing. If someone had bad breath and they asked me if they had bad breath, I wouldn't tell them. Because I'm kind. And I ask my family, my sister, my friends all the time if I have bad breath. And I just, I don't believe them. I don't know if I, I mean, I, I keep gum in my mouth all the time when I talk directly to people. I, that's just my biggest fear, having bad breath. Because no one will ever be honest about that. That's the worst. I, I am a little too honest. You. I tell my daughter and my wife when they got bad breath and I'll be like, y'all need to do something about it. <laughs> But like if someone just naturally all the time had bad breath, hmm, that, that's just a big, big fear of mine. I'll take bald head because I can throw a wig on. Well, those are all the questions I had. I just wanted to, to get your take and, and, and <laughs> get, um, you know, a little bit about who you are outside of track and outside of school. Yeah, I guess but, I was more opinionated than I thought I was. No, it was good. I, <laughs> I, I appreciate the the opinions and I appreciate the explanation because we get some guests on here and they just fly through the answers and it's just like, okay, well, like I want to know why. Like, oh, I'm a talker. I can talk forever. Well, before we let you go, I want to give you a chance to plug or promote anything. I know you guys got Ooh. you know a schedule coming up. Um, 
you know, any, any, Oh, I wasn't going to plug my team. I was going to plug myself. Well, you can do um, that. This is your time. Like that, that's, if you want to watch any of my crazy track fun adventures, you can follow me on YouTube or not follow. I'm new to this. You can subscribe to me on YouTube. Um, me and whatever track friends I'm around. I like to do my track makeup all crazy and just show what track life is like. So subscribe to that and then follow me on social medias. My Instagram is Kennedy922, spelled like the president. And my Twitter and Snapchat, oh my God, I'm throwing that out there, is Kennedy underscore Smith 11. Wow. Put it out there. Yeah, slide in my DMs. Go for it. Let's race. (laughs) Well, Kennedy, she's she's bounced back nicely from the dog thing. She's won me back over. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I can definitely tell. I I feel like you're the type of person that, you know, you're out of your era, but like you make the best of it and it's you're hard not to like. So, well, thank you. It means a lot. We, we're going to let you go and do, you know, go meal prep or go do what college kids do. But I, I've got I a project due in the morning. I haven't started it yet. <laughs> hey, typical, typical. So are you a procrastinator or are you? I'm actually well? not. I'm very well organized. I just know that I'm going to have time to do it. So might as well do it later. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I'll get it done. We'll go get it done. And if there's anything that we can help promote along the way, please reach out to us and hopefully we'll, we'll have you back and we'll be talking about, you know, your trip to nationals. Maybe you, you, you are lifting the national championship. Who knows? Our team's going to win this year. We're going to win something. SECs, nationals, both. I don't know, but we're going to win. It's happening. That or I want to see your, words. That or I want to tune into something and see her as a sports reporter one day. That's what, that's what I'm looking forward to. That too. I'm sure that'll happen. Well, I'm going to check out the, the, these video logs and, and your, your adventures on YouTube. I'm interested to see what this, this crazy makeup girl is. I, I'd like to see this persona. So. Yeah. Um, I've had all Corona to plan out my next season. It's going to be crazier than ever. I promise. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. If you get a chance, check her out on, on YouTube, the crazy makeup track star from s from an suc texas a&m we appreciate you if there's anything we can do along the way please reach out to us yeah thank you for having me all right welcome back to the in off the bench podcast it's time for yo headlines jim leading off tonight and i'll i'll take it from here we're gonna hit up some some breaking news the tampa bay lightning are your 2020 Stanley Cup champions, man. I said it from the jump that I thought they had it um, in them to win it all, and it showed down the stretch that they were playing the best hockey out of anyone. Um, was there a, a doubt in your mind that that the Lightning could do it, or you know, were you hoping for another team? Well, when you got us to tune in and we started watching them – Every game, you got to remember, the first two games I watched the Lightning, they put up seven and six, and I believe one was the score on the other side. And so we do that, and then we have Connor on the episode, and he talks about that he thought that they could win it with the same for the same reasons you did. And then, you know, talking to some guys who, who know hockey, 
uh, out at the soccer field, they were saying that Tampa. So, like, for me not to have that much knowledge, but everybody I'm talking to is saying what they're saying. And then I tune in and first game 7-1, next game 6-1. It's like, okay, uh, seemed really good to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I, it was just pure luck that you guys started tuning in and they started, like, like scoring seven goals, six goals. I mean, they, you know, given where they were at this, you know, last year with, you know, being the best team in the league, best record in the league, most points in the league, and then getting a quick exit in the first round by a team that, that you should have beat in a year that should have been your year and being able to turn around this year and, and win it all, like that's said something about the resiliency of the team. It says something about the, the management of the team by putting the right people in place. And it, it just says something about the coaching staff and the players for, you know, not, not giving up and, and pushing hard and, and really staying and maintaining that focus. Cause I really think that's, that's the key through all this COVID and, and going into a bubble is, keeping your eyes on the prize, staying focused and just, just playing as, as best as you can, given the, the, the circumstances that you have to play in. So, yeah, I mean, that was a discussion, whether you were talking about NHL or NBA was, would there be an asterisk next to a championship? And now that you've heard all these athletes talk about what they've been dealing with, man, no, as a matter of fact, it could be counted as one of the greatest championships because you've had to endure it through, you know, being in that bubble, being away from family and friends, and then no fans in, in attendance. I mean, all of it's just got to be – it's got to be mind-numbing for sure. Yeah, I, you know, the, the only one downer um, I can say is that, you know, it just – it sucks that the, the city of Tampa had to sit at home and, and, and witness it happen. and They couldn't see any of the games live, but I know um, – as soon as we can, they're definitely going to have a big parade and they're going to have some, some fun stuff planned. So I, I look forward to that. And I, I plan on attending when, whenever all this goes away and we, we can do that. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to harp on, on NHL. I know like this will be the last time that, you know, we'd probably talk about it for a little bit, but anything that I'm missing in regards to hockey, Jim? No, I mean, I think if anything, just the, the very thing we're talking about with the bubble, shout out to the NHL for getting through it and getting through it smooth. They clearly picked the right locations and they handled their business. So shifting from one bubble to the next, the NBA, we, we have our finals set. The NBA finals are, are ready to, to kick off this week. And, you know, let's, let's start with the Western conference finals. The, the Lakers just, I mean, looked looked like what they were supposed to look like. I think there was a couple games where we maybe got a false sense of, you know, the Nuggets actually being competitive um, and being able to beat them. But, like, I don't think anybody thought that the Nuggets would actually do anything. And, and it showed, like, LeBron in the last game, just he does what great players do. They show up, they play and they win. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you, Jim, is, is the Laker, are they the team to beat or, you know, and I'm basing this solely off of performance up to this point and expectations. 
Yes. I mean, not only based on um, – they forewarned everybody on the way, right? And so, obviously, the way they handled everyone. But, I mean, you were talking about LeBron James, and it is what it is. And so, um, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And he's still the best in the game, it seems to be. And so, they've, they've got to be the favorite. So, that's – so, they, we, we know that they're playing the Heat, but – you know, break down that Celtics and Heat series. What was it that the Celtics didn't do, and what was it that the Heat did do? I mean, it is as simple as it comes, and and it bothers me to my core that the Celtics did not play like a team like the Heat did. They had more talent, and you know as well as I do, it doesn't matter what sport, it doesn't matter if you have the talent – if you don't work together as a team. And there just seemed to be a lot of individual basketball coming from Boston, whereas Miami, I mean, everybody gets involved. And, and we're not just talking offensively and putting up points, but defensive, active hands everywhere, switches, um, fighting for rebounds. I mean, all the 50-50 balls were, were going to them, even in the wins for the Celtics. I mean, it felt like the Heat were working harder. And so um, I don't know – I don't know if you look at Brad Stevens for that. Obviously, the players got to look at themselves in the mirror. But the Celtics, I'll argue it, you know, to the end. They are – I know it sounds stupid because they're, they're a better team. They just didn't play like the better team. And so you got to give credit to the Heat players. you got to give credit to Eric Spolstra for doing the things it takes to want to win and to win. So, finals prediction, who, who takes it? I mean, the Heat story has been fun, but I think, I mean, I've doubted LeBron too many times, and it's just, it's always came back. And the way that they've just put away teams that I think, um, you know, are pretty solid the way they have, the Heat can probably make it competitive, but it'll probably kind of feel like Denver did, you know. It, it might make you believe, might win a game, might win two, but in the end, the Lakers will take it. Yeah, it's hard to it's it's hard to put a prediction because the last time these guys played was in December before any of the coronavirus like had any kind of ramifications on play. Um, you know, I will say we we definitely can't doubt the Miami Heat because I think that's what everyone's done so far and here they are. Um, but I also think, you know, given the whole, you know, Kobe Bryant and, and, you know, LeBron James, like, you know, saying and doing what he says he's going to do. It almost seems like it's fitting that the Lakers win. Um, but I don't want to base it off of that, but I, I, I will say, I think the Lakers are going to take it. Um, I would, I'm going to say in five, that's, that would that would be what I would say. And I'd say the matchup to watch, everybody's going to talk about LeBron and Jimmy Butler, but it's going to be Bam and AD. That That is where it's going down. It may not be the, the overall what what wins the game, but that's that's the matchup to watch. The the, the matchup may, that may determine winning the overall series because I watched every Heat game and saw what Dragic was doing would, would be watching how they defend him because he's – I did not realize that dude was that crafty, right? Like, so that that's obviously going to be meaningful. But LeBron and Jimmy are going to do their thing. But 
Bam and AD. And then, you know, it's a great storyline because we're talking about Kentucky boys, right? So, two guys, um, you know, big-time young players um, going at it down low. I think it could be awesome. Absolutely. Um, and it's just like any finals, like you look forward to it. It's, you know, I, I will say I think that we got the two best teams playing. Like I, I just – I believe in this whole bubble scenario, the way that they played, the way that they put their self in position, the adjustments that they made, the players contributing – I think we have the best two teams. So it's going to be exciting to watch um, those those guys just get after it. And, like, I'm a fan, so the fan in me wants to see seven games because I want to maximize my viewing experience. But the r- realistic side of me does say Lakers and, and five. Um, you know, before we get off NBA, and I know this is different from the uh, the playoffs, but – we got news that broke earlier this afternoon that Doc is leaving the Clippers. So, good move or bad move, Jim? I think it's a bad move. I don't think – well, I don't know, because he's had talent there before with Paul and Griffin. But, I mean, I feel like he's a good coach. I don't – when I watched that series, I don't feel like Doc was the reason. I felt like the star players let their team down. I mean, if I'm being honest, they didn't look like they really wanted it. They don't have that same fire we're talking about with the Heat and the Lakers. Um, And I know that they say that reflects the coach, right? But I don't know, man. Sometimes I hate that because we're talking about grown men. And it was was kind of – it was actually said during the Heat and Celtics series, um, you know, they asked Brad Stevens what he said to his team about, you know, what they had to do to win. And he said – or inspire them to win. That's what it was. And he said, if I have to inspire them at this point to win, then we don't need to be here. And that's the same thing. I feel like Doc shouldn't have to make them want to win. Absolutely. I mean, you, you've got professionals that played at the highest level throughout the whole season. Nothing should have changed when they went to the playoffs. The only caveat that I will say that, you know, I think Doc's a great coach. I think – I don't think he should have – been fired or asked to resign or step down or whatever the case may be. They weren't at full strength. They didn't have all their players. They had two key players not there, but, you know, given the whole situation with this year, I mean, I think I would have brought them back for another. Um, But I mean, in, in the world that we live in today, it's what have you done for me lately? And if you're not winning, then it's a problem. And, you know, I can't disagree with the fact that they should have – they have what it takes and they have the pieces to win it all, and they're just not. So, when you come up short, somebody's got to be at, at blame, and they ain't going to blame Kawhi, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll talk about it next week because, you know, as you said, it just kind of happened, and so I haven't even really heard the names that are on the list yet. Um, obviously, it's going to have to be someone high profile when you're talking about those kind of players. Absolutely. So um, we transitioned to Major League Baseball, and we got the playoffs starting tomorrow. Um, are you excited? Absolutely. Our team got in, didn't they? They did. They punched their ticket on the, the last day and, and got in. And, I, you know, I don't know if they necessarily earned it, but they got in nonetheless. Um, 
So let's let's talk about the National League. I'll give you the matchup. So you got the Dodgers at the Brewers. You got the Braves at the Reds. You got the Cubs and the Marlins. And our Cardinals are going to be taking on probably the worst draw that we could have asked for, the Padres. Um, so let's let's talk me through those series. Dodgers and Brewers, who you got? Dodgers, I mean – uh, I mean, I watched the Cardinals in their last few games against the Brewers, and I mean, and we know that the Cardinals punched their ticket by beating them, and then you're watching the Dodgers just wax everybody. So, I mean, that it feels like that's chalk, right? Yeah. All right. You got Braves and the Reds. Same same thing. I mean, does it not feel like – because all those central teams got in, right? But it doesn't feel like – unless you're talking about the Cubs, it doesn't feel like any of the rest of them meet up with who they're matched up against. Right. You, I mean, I mean, you could you could say that they just beat up on each other, but I mean, the Cubs did something different, and they actually, you know, played well, won games, and and I, it's it's hard to say that the other teams didn't win games, but it's it's safe to say that they did not meet you know expectations. And and I mean, and Atlanta looked really well. So if we're so not only did not Cincinnati not really inspire me, um, Atlanta looked good and. I know a lot of Braves fans who uh, they they believe this team can do it. Yeah, uh, and, but here here's the one thing that comes back to the Braves is postseason. Can you do it when it matters? Um, so then we got the Cubs and the Marlins, and shout out to Derek Jeter, man. Like he took a team that was horrible last year, and here they are. At, at, you know, that one point they were the hottest team in baseball and they, they're now in the playoffs with the Marlins. And, you know, they are taking on a very good Cubs team and a team that's playing well right now. But, you know, who, who you got, Cubs or Marlins? I mean, that was interesting. And, man, if I'm going to go back and listen to an episode and, and give myself a laugh, it's – I said – you remember, I said, wouldn't it be the worst team in baseball – to be the one to, to mess it up with Corona, right? Because they, they were the first one to test positive. And so they were kind of a laughing joke. And then they come back, like you said, from that, and they're hot. And it's like, are they actually good? And they, I mean, they maintained pretty well. And so the Cubs, we talked about how good they look. But I don't know, man. When you talk about that Corona story and – I don't know, man. There could be some Magic City Marlins, right? Like, we had a whole episode. Like, they they could be the team, right, that's the surprise one? We'll see. I mean, it, it's quite quite possible. I think that one thing that we have learned from all this is that what you think is going to happen probably won't. <laughs> yeah, well, and then if I'm being honest with the year that you Darvish has had um, – like just game one in general, I feel like it's it's automatically the Cubs. I mean, he's been absolutely lights out. Yeah. So then it brings us to Padres and Cardinals to to round out this first round in the NL. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I I haven't seen enough from the Cardinals. Uh, but in a short series, anything can happen. But I, I think I would like the fan side of me wants the Cardinals to win. But the the real side of me says the Padres are are gonna take care of business. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the Padres are definitely the favorite. But you know, you're talking about how Atlanta does in the postseason. Um, St. Louis is not the same team in regards to that. I mean, 
Uh, they have found ways in, in previous seasons to put it together. So uh, definitely wouldn't write them off. San Diego has not been here uh, recently, so they haven't been in this uh, kind of situation. But I think what makes this great, when I saw this matchup, it actually – it was it was good for two reasons. One, we talked about how much fun San Diego is to watch. So, uh, one way or the other, either whether it's a St. Louis win or San Diego, um, should be good entertainment. But also, um, I told you when we were we we're talking about it, I said if St. Louis wasn't to win at all, I said I'd like to see San Diego. It just seem seem like a fun story. So, no matter what, one of the teams that I'd like to win is getting to the second round. It's a good start. True, true. That's that's. That's a good way to hedge your bets and, you know, put yourself in a position to be excited for the second round. Um, looking at the the American League, you got the Rays and the Blue Jays. You got the A's and the White Sox, Twins and the Astros, Indians and the Yankees. So we'll start at the top, Rays and Jays. Who you got? The Rays, man. Hey, I'm kind of, you know, after this whole lightning thing and the way the Rays have been playing – and then, you know, Tampa, Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm a little nervous about y'all just taking over the sports world, brother. I mean, what, wouldn't that be something? I mean, in this atmosphere and this year, like all of those things aligning. But, yeah, I mean, I, I got the raise. I, I think they're not only talent-wise are they one of the tops, but they're just playing good baseball. Um, Indians and Yankees, who you got? The Yankees, uh, just more more talent, even though the Indians have been um, a great story. I think, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's I got to go with the, the team that has the much better roster. Yeah, I think, I think the baseball side wants – I want Tampa to take on the Yankees in that second round so, like, you can finally put to bed, like, the whole, like, Yankee powerhouse thing and always being better than a race. Uh, moving down the bracket, you got the Twins and the Astros. And this this is the one that's intriguing to me because, I mean, I think it would be ironic and, and funny if the Astros met the Dodgers in the World Series. But that's that's just me, even though, like, I really don't want to see that. But I think it would be funny if that happened. Um, but I, I hope and I – I'm. I just want to see the Twins. I think they do things the right way, and they've been on the brink for so long. And here they are. I think they have as good of a shot now as any to to move deep. So I'll take the Twins. Who you got? I'll take the Twins as well. But I think you're right about the intrigue. I mean, I'm looking at that first game, Grinky versus Meta. Um, that I mean, when I'm looking at, because I got all the pitchers for the the first game for every matchup. That's easily the best one. Um, and, I mean, we know what the Astros got, but the Twins, I mean, they've been knocking on the door the last couple of years. So, um, I mean, somebody a big-time big team is getting knocked out in the first round. And so then the last matchup is the White Sox and the A's. And I know that you, you're partial to both teams. You, you like the Sox and you, you like – you know, you like the hustle and the grind of the South side, but you do appreciate the the small market, like winning that the A's do. So, so where, where does your heart lie and what's your head tell you about this series? 
All right, I'm going to be honest with you, and this goes all the way back to last year before the podcast, just a phone call with you. And you told me that the teams that deserved, based upon the, the construction of the roster, the way they play, the money, everything, was the A's of the race. And, unfortunately, one of them had to go home in a wild card matchup. That is not the case this year. And so, based upon your knowledge of baseball, based upon everything we talked about, fast forward a year later, and while the White Sox have been, you know, amazing, have been so high, and um, I, I am partial to them, grew up, um, major fan, I think I want to see what you sold me on. I think I want to see one of these teams that doesn't have a super high payroll, who's been doing it right the last couple of years, and just plays the right way. Well, well, then take it a step further. So let's say American League Championship Series, who's playing? Uh, I don't have the I don't have the playoff bracket in front of me. Can the can the A's and the Rays meet? Yes. Yeah, so the the Rays the Rays and the Jays, the Indians and the Yankees. Those are the the top half of the bracket, and the bottom half of the bracket is the Twins and Astros and A's and White Sox. Yeah. Then I mean that's that's what I am hopeful for. And the A's showed us, you know. In a 60-game season, this was not supposed to fit to them. It, I went and looked, and I researched it hard because that was the assignment you gave me. And over the last few seasons, they traditionally start slow. Well, they didn't start slow. They took care of business. They knew what they had to do. Um, yeah, I mean, if you watch Moneyball, right, like you had to find yourself like rooting for the A's, even though that's not the same team, but you just know that organization is still ran the same way. Um, so, yeah, them in the, them in the race, let's, that's what I want to see. Um, I, I could care less about the Yankees, even though they got the, the big-time players. Um, but if it isn't going to be, I think we talked about Minnesota. Um, you know, would they've been doing it the right way, too. So that's not a bad one, either. Yeah, I think when we talk about hedging our bets and having something to look forward to, if if the, the Rays and the Yankees meet in the second round and the Twins and the A's meet in the second round, I think, you know, it'll it'll give me everything that I'm looking for. But inevitably, uh, I'm, I agree, the, the Rays and the A's and the ALCS with the Rays winning it is, is where I would – where not only I'd like to see American League, but that's that would be my prediction for the AL World Series uh, team. On the NL side, you know, the top half of the bracket, we're looking at the Dodgers and the Brewers. You're looking at the Padres and the Cardinals. And for me personally, I got, you know, L.A. and, and San Diego meeting in the second round with L.A. moving on to the NLCS. And then you have the Cubs and the Marlins, which uh, I'll be honest, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Cubs, even though I think I think it might be a little bit tougher than people think. And – Braves and Reds, and, and here's where I'm going to go off script. I think the Braves are going to lose. I think the Reds are going to beat them. And then I I honestly, I think the Reds are going to beat the Cubs. So you're going to go with Vegas and their hot odds for, for Cincinnati in the very beginning, and we were like, what are they even talking about? I mean, the, the, the arms that the Reds had to throw out there in a short series, I'll take them. And then, then it's then it's a crapshoot, man. It really, it, to be honest, it really is. But I, inevitably, for me personally, I, 
I got the Rays and the Dodgers in the World Series. Who you yeah, I, th- I think in the, in the National League, um, I told you I want to see San Diego, but what I want to see traditionally hasn't happened recently. So, um, give me give me L.A. beating San Diego, and then I'm going to go opposite of you, though. Give me, uh, give me the Cubs uh, getting through there, and then – uh yeah, give me a give me LA. You know, give me the same matchup. I, and and to me, that's I think that'll give you what you want again, right? The LA powerhouse against against Tampa, right? The small market. Yeah, and I I think I'm gonna go raise raise all day, baby, raise all day. If so. if the Rays look, if the Rays do win. Me and you are going to turn around and try to make up that money for the Boston thing and uh, go put that money with the Bucks because I will then be a firm believer in the whole Tampa Bay trio. <laughs> uh, hey, don't forget, we, against... we still got money with the Cardinals, brother. We got uh, – theirs paid out more than the rest of them. I think theirs paid out like two grand. Hey, go on then, St. Louis. Let's go. We got to – hey, man, I, we was we were close with the Boston one. Maybe we'll get baseball. Well, there'll be more baseball to talk next week, but I want I want to transition into some college football. We finally, you know, and I know this is going to be a bitter bitter to bring up, but we have to. We had SEC play open up this weekend. Um, you know, LSU, yeah, just give me I'll I'll tell you what. Let me give you my analysis of just what I saw. I saw a team that was not not that they are far off, but they're not the team that we saw last year. And I say that because the defense was very poor. And that's not typical of a LSU secondary. Let's just put it there. But one thing that I actually forgot is who Mississippi State's head coach is now. I forgot all about that. Like through all the coronavirus and all that, I forgot that Mike Leach is now over at Mississippi State. And like, I can now see how the game plan that was put together could really like cause some problems for LSU. Cause we're not, we're not talking about some rinky dink guy. We're talking about a, a proven guy that is known for throwing wrinkles at really good teams. So you know, I, I, I think LSU has some work to do, man. I'm, I don't think they're out of it by any means, but they definitely got some holes to plug. So now I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell me how you really feel and where we're at. No, I mean, look, congratulations to Mississippi State, no doubt. But I think what's going to be seen from this game is more about LSU than Mississippi State. If I'm a Mississippi State fan, I would not buy all the stock just yet because – we already knew you lost 14 players to the draft, right? And not to mention, you only had three starters returning on de- – or excuse me, four starters returning on defense. Two of them opted out in Kerry Vincent and Tyler Shelvin. So that left you with Jacoby Stevens and Derek Stingley Jr. Well, add to the perfect storm that Derek Stingley gets sick before the game. And so the number one corner in the country isn't going to play in an air raid assault from Mississippi State. And so you're, you're left with the one lone returning starter on the LSU defense. You're in Baton Rouge, and they call it a home game, but you got 24,000 people. Hardly that. 
And so I think it all just – I mean, because the, the reality is so many people were talking about the LSU offense, and what is – he? Uh, Brennan's numbers killed Joe Burrow's first game. It was all about the defense. It was all about how they were humiliated. And not to mention – I mentioned all the players gone. Dave Aranda isn't the defensive coordinator anymore either. Bo Pelini is – you even lost your DB's coach. So you lost your defensive coach, you lost your DB's coach – and then you lost nine and then counted ten by the time it was done, players off the defense. So, you said LSU's got a lot of work to do. Man, I think it's going to be a tough season. You know, there was a lot of people who had jokes about a six and four, five and five season, and I, of course, fought that off because what kind of fan wants to believe that? I think that's going to be a harsh reality. I mean, it – it's going to come down to putting pieces together. And, you know, I I think this year more than any, you're going to – Coach O is going to have to show what kind of coach he really is. I mean, it, coming off a national championship with the best players in the country and the best offense in the country, like now he's going to have to coach them up. Yeah. So, well, I mean, if you look at the, the NFL this past week, um, those particular players, um, whether you look at Patrick Queen or you look at Justin Jefferson or you look at Clyde uh, Edwards-Alaire, like these, these weren't just regular guys, right? They're killing it as rookies in the NFL. They lost supreme time. Joe Burrow, I mean, I even though, hey, Daniel, you talk about in and in a tie, brother. There was an NFL game in a tie. We can get to that later. But Joe Burrow played in it. But, uh, I mean, he's still been putting up stats. And so these guys were were not just – regular guys they were exceptional and that's the thing I'll take five and five because the reality is we didn't lose for a year and a half and went 15 and 0 and got to watch arguably the best team that ever stepped on a college football field and now I get to watch those guys play on Sunday as well and I'll take that trade off any day yeah I mean there there's a price there's always going to be a price to pay when you win a national championship because it's even for Bama, like it's, it's hard to do over and over and over. And, you know, you know, hats off to Clemson and Alabama and Ohio state and Oklahoma. And, you know, I don't know. Oklahoma. Well, I mean, they, yeah, like that was a game this week, but, you know, just giving in the past, just, giving themselves a chance to to win it all like it's it's tough to do but because yeah, you say o- Clemson I, I hey before we get to Oklahoma I would I would hate to neglect my favorite thing I've seen on social media Isaiah Simmons decided to to tweet something before he could get it down and said uh one one hit wonders and uh Patrick Queen got a hold of it first and said we beat y'all's ass and that's a fact <laughs> He needs to just stick to playing on Sunday and and stop playing the the kid games. But I mean, looking at LSU's schedule, they got Vanderbilt coming up, like, and then Missouri. If they lose either one of those games, then you might have some some reason for some concern. But they got two games to tune up for Florida, which you know, it, you know, that's oh, the one win. Hey, if we were to only take one win all year, that's the one I want. Well. I mean, I, I I have no no horses in that race, and I could care less 
Um, but just looking at the slate of games from last weekend, you know, Kansas State upsets Oklahoma. Um, you know, it's that's that's one of those games where if you pick the 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 one team on your schedule that makes your life the toughest, and it's not necessarily like the hardest team. It's always the team that you should beat that just is scrappy and like just plays you hard. I would say for a lot of those big 12 teams, Kansas state is probably that team. So like for them to, to beat Oklahoma. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Um, but I think Oklahoma will be the first ones to tell you that. Yeah. They, they're a tough team to play and a tough team to win against. Well, it's it's the number uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say it was like it was one in six hundred and forty five in previous situations where a top uh, five team was up by twenty one points or more and lost. So one, like, well, let's just say I'm right. I think I think it was six hundred forty five because it really sticks out to me. That is talking about overcoming some serious odds to win that game. Wow. That's impressive. Hey, K-State, K it doesn't even matter. It's right like the rest of the season. I mean, they got that on the, to hold on their resume. You know, just giving another rundown of the top 25, I mean, Florida did what we thought they would do against Ole Miss, Auburn, you know, hung tough and then pulled away against Kentucky. On the, on the Florida thing, hey, I tell you, because – and this is why I don't think LSU will beat them or even have a chance – I, I think the quarterback that caught my eye, I watched all the games on Saturday. The quarterback that caught my eye, and I watched him in person last year in Death Valley. Remember, that game was a shootout to LSU tighten the screws in the fourth quarter. Kyle Trask can slain that ball. He's a gamer. Well, I mean, he he threw some touchdowns on Saturday. So, I mean, let me see. I, I'm curious to know what, what their schedule looks like for the next coming weeks. They got South Carolina, they got Texas A&M, and then LSU. So, um, in comparison to what LSU has before Florida, uh, Florida's definitely got a much tougher road. Maybe I don't know. Texas ain't uh, to transition to one of the other top twenty-five. I mean, Texas A&M looked real bad against Vanderbilt. So you talk about LSU had Vanderbilt next. We'll find out real quick if that was you know, and of course A&M will play as well. But we'll find out who that was more about. I think A&M didn't lose all the talent LSU. There was no reason for them to play like that. I don't. I don't know what that was. I, I watched part of that one, and I was. Mond was supposed to be, you know, uh, a Heisman, you know, favorite. Yeah, and then you got UCF beating up on East Carolina. You got Louisiana winning a close one again. I mean, they're they're three and zero, but I, I I can't tell you how. Uh, Pittsburgh beats Louisville. Um, Texas Tech put a, a, a scare into Texas, which uh, that's what I wanted to ask you. We're, we're here. We are again with Texas are, is Texas tech just a good team? Are they a tough, tough team to, to play or is Texas doing what Texas does? Just you know, not, not quite where they need to be. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I feel like they're overhyped every year. Um, at least recently, and so I think it's probably um, they put too much stock in Texas. I think they'll get exposed eventually, but um, they did survive because I actually – I thought they had lost in real time. I 
because when I looked at the situation in the time and Texas Tech had the ball, uh, I thought it was going to be over. And then I seen that they came up with a miraculous touchdown. So I'll say this, at least Texas won, right? Like when you're talking about, you know, with the Oklahoma situation, like, you know, Texas Tech may have been a thorn in the side, but they got they got through it and now build build on it no matter how ugly it may be. Yeah. Uh, you got you got to. I mean, I think it's it's just win and you know, I think Tennessee fans, they they probably weren't too particularly like crazy about how they played, but I think they will say, well, we won. Like that's what matters. And I, I there's there's some legitimacy to, to that. Um, especially being the first game of the season. Um, you got Georgia taking care of business, Oklahoma State, Alabama, you know, Texas hey, A&M. That, Ge- that Georgia one though, there's a there's there's something to talk about there. They got a offensive situation. That that score is very deceiving. Um they were losing to Arkansas in the second half and they had two pick sixes. Um and you got to remember, they're they're not with their. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the quarterback's name, but the starting quarterback is not there. Um, and so, and then they went from the second string to the third string in that game. And so, Georgia's got a problem on their hands, especially when we're talking about how good Florida looked. Yeah, I mean, you got Alabama and you got Florida that in the SEC look dominant. They look better than any of the others but um you know just finishing up the rundown of these top 25 games you got Miami you know just putting it on Florida State and you know I I think it's important to say this like Mike Norvell couldn't have asked for the the worst possible way to start a season at Florida State um I'm a Norvell fan. I think he's a great coach, and I think he he's going to turn it around. But Florida State fans need to like pump the brakes a second. Like they need to really evaluate how good they actually think they were, because they were not good at all. And you're getting him coming in and trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, and it it takes a while. It's not not like this quick turnaround. So, you know. I, I expect them to be just fine. Maybe not this year, but uh, in the in the years to come, I think he he's going to be fine. You got Virginia Tech, you know, taking care of business. BYU beating up on Troy, um, and that that was it for the top twenty-five this week. I will say our predictions last week. Our Stone Cold Locks had you taking Tennessee, which puts you at one and zero, and I took Army in a, in a just a strange just just pick. I, I said they were going to beat Cincinnati, which didn't happen, so that puts me 0-1, um, which is fine. And so I'll ask you this week, looking at the, the slate of games, um, who's, your, who's your lock for the week? Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, because based upon your Army pick, right, like – it seems like I shouldn't actually just take a lock. I should I should take somebody that I think could win. That maybe yeah. Play. I mean, I I put a little bit of a challenge right because I could just say Alabama and call it a day, right? Like, but what fun is that? Would right. it, hey, it'd almost be nerve wracking taking LSU at this point after what I saw. I don't give a damn if it's Vanderbilt. 
I mean, you got Alabama. I'll give you, I'll give you your games, your options. These are top 25. You got BYU, Louisiana Tech. You got Memphis, SMU. You got Florida, South Carolina, Texas, TCU, Tennessee, Missouri, Pittsburgh, North Carolina State, Alabama, Texas A&M, North Carolina, Boston College, uh, USF, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Auburn and Georgia, which will be the, the game of the, the day. Uh, Tulsa, UCF, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, LSU, Vanderbilt, and Virginia versus Clemson. It really did make me want to take Alabama, but actually give me – you know what? So you, we're going to go with a challenge and go with something, but I truly believe give me Auburn over Georgia. Okay, okay. So you're going to take the old War Eagle – to take down Georgia. Yeah, even though I shouldn't, um, Quez Burden, you're out there, out of all the people who hassle me about LSU losing, um, blowing me up on Facebook like that, shame on you. And you're an Auburn fan. I should be rooting against him, but I'm not. I'm going to be the better man. Well, I mean, I, I got a lot of options here. So, I – you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna take the the other the other game that has two top twenty five guys going against each other in Alabama and Texas A and M. And I, because we had Kennedy on, I would love to take Texas A and M, but I, I don't think that's gonna happen. So I'm gonna take Bama. Um, you know, and who knows? Like if Texas A and M wins, great. But I, I need to get back in my winning ways. So I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Bama, Bama to roll. As much as that sucks, and I'm, I'm not an advocate of Alabama by any means, but you know, I'm sure we'll probably get some haters giving us some feedback for that. But hey, it is what it is. If you're if you're one of those haters out there and you want to come defend your team, just let me know. We'll we'll, we'll put you on. Let you speak your piece. Um. So last call, man. I know there's a lot of things that we didn't we didn't get to in the world of of sports, but you know I know we didn't talk much NFL. Um, there was just you know a lot of pressing issues with in, in a, or NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, baseball playoffs, and then the the start of SEC that I definitely wanted to get to. But um, you know what headlines did we miss? Uh, something that we talked about earlier, but I wanted to say on here. Um, you know, we, we always talk about here, you know, who we sweat and boy, I sweat me some Taysom Hill and my wife will tell you real time. He comes into the game. I'm like, yeah, Taysom's back at quarterback. And that man coughs up the ball in a tie game in the fourth quarter. And I was sick. I was sick because it cost my team. I was sick because it was my boy. And then they're going to bring up the graphic and show that Drew Brees is 24 for 27 at the time. And it's like, all right, Peyton, you was too cute for that. And so I say all that to say, as much as I love him, I love the gimmick. Sometimes um, just do what's working, do what's best. And Sean Payton's going to look back at that film and say that he might have cost his team the game by not just letting his Hall of Fame quarterback do what he was doing. You you know the team well enough. What is Drew Brees? What's, what's he sitting on the sideline thinking? Oh, they showed it. They showed it. And Twitter was blowing up because he would not even look at Taysom. So he's in the iPad checking out, you know, 
coverages and Taysom sitting there steaming, grabbing his hat, and he turns and looks at Drew numerous times, and Drew will not look at him. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, Drew's a competitor. Like, he's having a, a, a good day, and, you know, I think he's he had to have a day like he had because there was a lot of people, you know, ourselves included, starting to doubt, like, what – what how good is he right now so well, the, the reality is what's funny about it what what makes it a, a great story Taysom doesn't have Bree's resume but last year in the Minnesota playoff game Taysom was the spark that that made that a game um when it started to look like it was going to get away and Drew comes back in after Taysom has led a touchdown and fumbles it away and so the difference is Taysom doesn't have the resume but Taysom has been on the other end when he's had the hot hand and had to watch Drew fumble it away for what it's worth. Uh, I mean, that's true. I mean, I think as a competitor, you, you're pissed off about it in the moment, but today it's probably on to the next. Taysom, Taysom's definitely going to probably truck stick somebody next week. Look for that. I mean, they always had the option to put in Jameis. I mean, they, I don't know. I told you via text the way Drew was looking in the first couple of games, it was an option. But um, this past game, he opened it up a little more. Uh, it may be more of Sean Payton's play calling. It may just be Michael Thomas not there. I don't know. Remains to be seen. So, for me, you know, just the last call, there's a, there's a few things that I want to address. Um, you know, the first thing is it looks as though we're going to get Memphis Tiger football back against SMU this week now you know I I need some help because you're gonna have to talk me off the ledge here and you're probably gonna have to do it multiple times in this last call piece because when we talk about Memphis football being off for two weeks taking on an SMU team who is is has a lot to play for based on what you did to them last season like does Memphis even have a chance yeah, Memphis has a chance. Um, I mean, when you talk about who they have at quarterback, when you talk about the playmaking ability that they have in general, they're a good team. Um, maybe we overhyped them a little bit being from Memphis, but um, they're definitely a solid team, and they're a team that we said could compete for their conference. And so we said that beforehand, and I'm not going to change off that, and I don't think you should either. I think they can easily take care of business, uh, you know, whether whether it seems that way or not. And I mean, like you said, coming off last year, I, I, be, I believe in them. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if there's any team that's proven that they can do anything like this, it's them. I, I do – I am very cautious of them coming out, and I know that, they had one game and it was an okay game. It, you know, Brady had a good game. He was definitely not as sharp as he should be, but they, they did everything that they were expected to do being the first game. And then all of a sudden you get two weeks off with COVID. You don't know what people are doing or who's doing what or what the practice looks like. Or, you know, are we going into a scenario against a, a, a good SMU team where we're, we're going to have to shake off rust and then battle our way back? Like you, you don't think that they're still like – I mean, let's be honest, behind closed doors, those guys are working together. I hope so, but you, you never know. Like, 
It was it was bad. Like out of all, I don't know any other team that has had to sit out two weeks of games. That's what happens when you get a party bus. I mean, party bus. Uh, we're still. I think it's still up in the air on what exactly happened, but something happened led to this. So hopefully, we show up ready to rock and roll. We 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 come. We we put our our best team forward, and and whatever happens happens. The 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 biggest question will be for me after what we saw the first game when we talked about it, um, is if the defense tightens the screws, right? Because I'm not. I you know I mentioned when you asked me. I, I mentioned the offense, of course. I guess that's easy to mention because the offense is going to be great. I mean, the question will be, what will the defense bring, especially after what we saw? Very true. Well, I guess we'll we'll be sitting around watching it, trying to find out that the answers to those questions. So, my my next you know headline that we didn't bring up, the Cowboys, and I know that you could probably care less about the Cowboys, but. This, this segment is the theme of it is talking me off the ledge. I am a realist when it comes to Dallas Cowboy football. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. So when I say after week one that I was worried and then they came back in week two to beat the Falcons – but now, after losing to a really good Seattle team, which is arguably a, a, a game they could have won or lost in on the schedule, and you probably would have it would have been fifty fifty either way. But when I reflect back on three games, we are one dummy from falling on the ground away from being zero and three. Like I, I have a tough time like saying like. How are we even considered like a relevant team right now when with that being the case? Well, you may not be necessarily considered relevant, but you know one of your biggest things that you have to your advantage is the division you play in, right? So you know that you're going to be playing those teams and you know that's the division you got to win. So first of all, you, you have that going for you. You start losing to those teams, then – then that's when I can't I can't talk you off the ledge, but losing to a team like Seattle now the Atlanta one watching what they ended up doing again this week, uh, man like uh, that's a whole other story. But um, that that makes that one not look as good for sure, especially when it happened the way it did. But you have all that talent, right? It kind of goes back to the NBA, the Boston Celtics thing. I think Dallas is the same way. They have the right pieces. They've got to put it together and play right. My question for you would be, because I know they're in the division they are, I know they I know they got the schedule they got, but I want to ask you after three games, what do you think about your head coach? I mean, it's, it's, it's as – it's rinse and repeat, in my opinion. You are doing the same things. You're struggling in the same areas. You didn't go out and improve the secondary – the way that you should have. Um, Would you call Earl Thomas at this point? Hell yeah. And I, I was claiming that months ago that there was this rumor and talks that that's who, what was happening, but it never happened. But I'm just, I, I'm, I'm concerned for a couple reasons that we're, 
we're playing we're gonna be labeled a lot better than we really are because of the weak division and i want to see my quarterback go out with a minute and a half left and go win a game a meaningful game at that well and and that's a game like you want to be paid the way that you want to be paid and you have aspirations of winning a super bowl those are the games where you go out and win i bet you aaron Rodgers would have done that yeah, because I mean, when you look at when you look at whether you're talking about the Aaron Rodgers Drew Brees matchup this week, or when you're looking at um, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson tonight, that's that's what they're looking at, right? It's a team game, but they're gonna they're gonna say, can Lamar beat Patrick? Can Brees beat Rodgers? And that and that's what you're looking at. Yeah, Dallas lost, but a lot of people are looking at that last turnover when it when it mattered on Dak, and they're saying Russell Wilson put up video game numbers, and then Dak didn't get it done. That's the comparison. That's as unfair as it may be, it's going to come. You're going to have a quarterback comparison, and those are the times, like you said, if you want to get paid, you got to you got to get it done. Well, I mean, if I'm if I'm Jerry and I'm sitting across the table from Dak and he's asking for this, I'm going to say, well, okay, did you beat Russell Wilson? No. Did you did you beat Jared Goff? No. Did you beat Matt Ryan? Technically, no. So I, I I am I am the talent still uh, the talent is still there. So like I said, it goes back to the Boston thing: is do they put it together or or do they keep playing the way they're playing? And so I'll I'll con- I'll continue to say that I I am cautiously optimistic. Um, Who do they got this week? They this week they have the Browns. So my Browns, my beloved Browns. I mean, they got the. <laughs> The Browns and the Giants, which by all indications, like those are two teams that are are winnable. And then they got the Cardinals and then Washington, Philly, Pittsburgh, and Minnesota up until Thanksgiving. I mean, up until that Pittsburgh game you mentioned, they're all very winnable. I mean, they have to be winnable. You put yourself in a position where you have to win those games. Like, there's – I mean, I look at their schedule and it, it it's pretty easy. They have Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Those are the two teams that – I mean, that – I mean – take care of business, tighten the screws against these these lower-tier teams, and and hopefully you find out where you stand by the time you get to that Pittsburgh. And then obviously I know the Baltimore, I remember looking at the, the schedule them being towards the very end. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, but, I mean, the Browns, if you, if you come out and you lose to the Browns, you know, obviously I was optimistic about the Browns. They haven't been very good. If you come out and lose to the Browns, yeah, sound the alarm, DEFCON, Four at minimum. Yeah, for sure. I the the next little thing, and I, I'm just curious to see what your take on this is. Is you know, the, and the, this will be it before we do our round the horn. Is Dan Quinn? Who who is at fault? Is it Dan Quinn or is it the players? We talked about earlier, right? Your professionals. You know what your job is, so. I mean, you can easily pass the blame on Dan Quinn, but 
uh, I, I can go either way with it. Um, so, but he's ob- uh, he's obviously going to take it though. Yeah. What? Well, but here here's my my thing is you you don't you you give him all the blame when the lead is taken away, but you give him zero credit for putting a game plan that puts you in a position to lead over three quarters. Uh, let me ask you a question. First one to get fired, Dan Quinn or uh, Bill O'Brien? I would love to say Dan Quinn, but I, I mean, I, if it was me, you would have thought it would have happened by now. But uh, if neither of those teams win this week, they may both be gone. Yeah, I mean, and very true, very true. And and I could, I don't say that I I blame them, but. I mean, at some point, like, when when do the players take ownership? So, but let's wrap this thing up, man. It's been a, it's been a long night, good night, good conversation, good guess. But um, let's hit this around the horn, Jim. What's the one thing the audience needs to know before you go? So, being that we had a female athlete on this week, and we will next week, uh, I got to on a. Sports weekend, go to a college soccer game and watch LSU and Ole Miss play. And I want to give them a shout out, not only from an entertainment standpoint, because um, it was a good competitive game, but the fierceness in which female soccer is played with. And that's why I can't wait for next week's episode. And, and hopefully Grace will be able to sell you on – like in soccer a little more, especially with women, because men, if you watch it, will give you a bad taste because they flop around. But girls, I'm telling you, it's it's a crazy thing. These girls are lowering the boom on each other. Like Saturday to Sunday was not much of a change as far as, as watching hits down in Baton Rouge. And they bounce back up and they, they get in each other's face. It's good and intense fun. And so um, – from my round the horn is just uh, female athletics altogether. When you talk, when we talk about what Kennedy was saying and how they compete and at such a high level, and then what I saw with soccer, um, man, it's just just shout out to them because they've earned it. And obviously, the WNBA um, has drawn a lot of interest this year as well. So I think women are doing big things. Absolutely. Um, for me, the one thing that I think the audience needs to know before we go is tomorrow, Jim, I know you're going to be watching, first presidential debate of, the, of the, this last push to, to November 3rd. So I urge everyone to check it out, everyone to go vote, and I'll probably be pushing the, the voting stance from here until November 3rd. But, um, you know, my, my friend Ashley McMillan told me a long time ago, no votey, no bitchy. So... Go out there and vote. Um, you know, man, long night, good good content tonight. We had our, our first female uh, guest who just – she just knocked it out of the park. And, you know, she's setting the precedent, the, the precedent for next week. So, you know, Grace, if you're out there, like, I hope, I hope that you bring the fire, which I, I know you will. So, uh, another good night, great insight, great times. I want to thank Kennedy Smith uh, for joining us. I wish her the, the absolute best uh, this year with her track season at Texas A&M. If you like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. 
Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. Check out the website. Jim's been tweaking, fine-tuning, and, and putting that thing like, like it's a dime piece right now. So, you know, hit it up, check it out, and we'll see everyone for next episode. It'll be episode 27, and we're going to be talking SEC soccer with LSU goalkeeper Grace McClellan. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.